0: You're with the country, celebrating. or well, you can't celebrate the death of the big O, can you? Commemorating. Commemorating. yes. Commemorating, and you're playing pretty woman into Katie Milne. It sounds misogynist. I'm sort of insulted on behalf of Katie. <laughs> Katie, excuse Rowena's lack of, well, just political correctness, to be perfectly I was being honest. Kind. You can't do that. This is 2023, Rowena.
1: Katie, <laughs> speak up for yourself here. Save me. I'm just laughing away. It's all good.
0: It's all good. Now, Is organic farming, uh, more particularly organic dairy farming, dead? And the reason I say that, and I know you supply Westland milk over on the coast, but Open Country Dairy has put its organic suppliers on notice uh, that they may not continue on with this because they are not getting a premium. So post-COVID, is it a sign of the economic times? Are consumers choosing economic reality over the environment, and will we see the same with the likes of zero-carbon milk, milk and meat? Will there be a premium?
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting question, isn't it? And, um, well, it, there's really two parts to it. Uh, you know, they've, they're hoping to grow the market and find somewhere they can get a premium, but uh, if you look at organics internationally, it was $185 billion spent on it last year, uh, worldwide and that, that market size and it's expected to grow in five years to 2028 to hundred uh, 360 odd million uh, billion dollars us so the market's growing but clearly people it's they're not paying for it there's no premium in it and you can't have a growing market uh, you know that and expect people to, to fill that gap if there's no more in it for them, because as we know, it does cost you a wee bit more to go organic, and unless you're completely probably debt-free and and in a a real good niche spot of the country that can do it, um, it's too cost prohibitive for most of us to get into it. Katie,
0: Katie, I'm also told that some of these organic farmers aren't necessarily distraught at having to go back to a more traditional farming method. They've tried it, they've dipped their toes in the milk vat, and decided it's not for them.
1: Yeah, and and that's the other side to it that over time you've got it takes a while to rev up into it. You can use your RPRs and bits and pieces, but you rely on mining a bit of the soil uh, initially while you get up and running to that sort of um, level. Uh, but those all those things are more costly, and you can't you just can't wait for the premium to come. So it's a real hard one. Everyone would love to be doing that. And, and you've just got to get paid for it and I know when we're at Westland you know when I was a director there some of the things that you looked at and thought the market would pay for they just didn't and there was nothing in it and it ended up costing you money
0: you used to be with the well, you were, you were the president weren't you? you were vice president of the world farmers organization which one
1: yeah vice president vice
0: president why didn't you get the top job
1: because <laughs> the Frenchman stood against me and French, uh, basically yeah. the, There's a bit of the old uh, parochialism there in Europe, sadly for us, and here in New Zealand.
0: Well, you would have been a wonderful president of the World Farmers' Organization, but in a past life, you've been along to one of those COP talk fests, haven't you? Did you go to 27?
1: I've actually been to two of them, Jamie. I'll own up. (laughs) Were
0: they a waste waste of time?
1: Well, in some regards, you'd say yes, but actually the the biggest thing I learned at the first one, which was in Katowice in Poland, which is actually one of the biggest... Uh, coal-producing areas of Poland, which was quite ironic, Um, I thought at that one there was only 40,000 people by the way, but I walked away from there thinking uh, actually what should have happened was after everyone got in there the doors should have been locked and no more food and water was brought in for the two weeks, and then put your priorities where they lay when you're talking about climate change and who's having the biggest effects and what you can do about it, because that's where it gets a little bit airy-fairy, um, at the moment, livestock farming is being attacked over there quite heavily. I've had some reports come through to me, and it's um, quite frustrating for the farmers that are there. Um, and there's no reality about uh, what livestock farming does for the wider communities that it's in, and for our food bowl, nutrition-wise, etc. It's just focusing on methane, and it's so myopic that that it's you know nothing about wildfires that don't happen where there's a lot of livestock farming, etc. So the other aspects that livestock can contribute positively towards climate change are not taken into account. It's just an attack at the moment. Well, you you
0: talked about the Frenchman beating it to the presidency of the World Farmers Organization. Excuse my French, but this is all climate change bullshit. The problem is not ruminant livestock. The problem is man-burning fossil fuels. And then we've got these preachy Arab sheikhs with billions and billions telling us we have to cut livestock numbers in New Zealand, quite frankly. Katie, I'm incensed.
1: Yeah. yeah, no. and look, when I was at the last one I went to last year, it, it was in Sharm el Sheikh, so that was um, you know, in Egypt, another dry, sandy place, obviously. Um, it was really interesting. I went to a whole range of things, from atomic energy, um, wind farm, solar, you name it, I did a lot, and fossil fuels. Went and listened to those guys, and they were quite, actually, quite right in what they were saying in regards to their product and their contribution to energy, because the world's energy hungry. That the more they can do to make uh, their product more sustainable and have better scrapers and that, so they're having less emissions, would have been a more sensible spend than chasing all the, you know, different renewables that are really hard to get going. They've got um, short futures in that, you know, each individual product, each wind farm, et cetera, and they don't know how to deal with the aftermath, plus of all, all the other rare minerals they need. So it's, it's not easy. And it's just a big talk fest on who's. Uh, uh, I hate to use some of Shane Jones' sort of uh, language, but, you know, it becomes a bit of a wee contest, you know what I mean, over there, quite frankly.
0: Exactly, Katie Milne, I would have voted for you for president of the World Farmers Organisation. Um, you can just rest rest happy with your title as former president of Federated Farmers. Thanks for your time. All
1: good, and I hope everyone really has a good break over Christmas.